You are listening to Arts Northwest. I am show researcher and occasional host, Craig Cox. I'm filling in for usual host, Brendan Murray, as he's away with a show this week. Uh, but as usual, sound engineer Mark Gavin is here with us. So this week on the show, we will be speaking about the upcoming festival, A Single Rose, which is a celebration of the poet and writer Leland Bardwell on the centenary of her birth. We'll also have our usual What's On section, where we try to list as much as we can of what's going on around the northwest region of the country but first running at the moment in the model in Sligo is the exhibition portrait lab it's already open and it's running until the 21st of January next year um, it is an exhibition that explores representation through the expanded field of portraiture by asking certain questions about how portraits function who is reflected in public collections and who is overlooked and it's it's an aspect of a a broader project that's called The Sunset Belongs to You. But we have director of the model here, Emer McGarry, to speak about both the exhibition and the broader project. So how's it going, Emer? Good now. Thanks very much. Brilliant. So if you wouldn't look quickly, we'll just speak about Portrait Lab, the exhibition itself, and then move on to uh, The Sunset Belongs to You. So would you mind just describing the exhibition uh, a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So as you said yourself, it's um, it's a look at portraits, but maybe not as we would expect. So there are some artists in the show who are using kind of traditional portrait materials, which would be canvas and oil paint. Hmm. But then there were portraits that are made out of found objects like slate, feathers, stones. Then there are portraits that are made out of video. Um, and then we have portraits, um, you know, that are done more in kind of photography. Yeah. And then we have one really unusual portrait, which was kind of an inspiration for the project. And that's a portrait of Marcel Duchamp, mm. who was one of the most important artists, I guess, of the 20th century. Um, and that is made by Brian O'Doherty. And Brian is from um, Balahadreen originally. And he got to know Marcel Duchamp in New York in the 60s when Brian was actually studying to be a doctor. Okay. And he hooked Duchamp up to an electrocardiogram machine and took a, a reading of his heartbeat. And he called it Portrait of Marcel Duchamp. Okay, it's actually, like I said, I was at the interview, or I was at the interview, excuse me, I was at the exhibition over the weekend. And an interesting kind of through line that I saw throughout it is um, patterns and kind of signifiers of identity as being an aspect of portrait outside mm. of just like straight imagery. Uh, so it's just an interesting part of it. Yeah, absolutely. There's a certain alchemy, I think, in portraiture when you create a likeness of a person. There's a certain magic that mm. kind of comes uh, with that. And I think you do see that in, in, in this exhibition. Um, I think another special part of the exhibition is we have really um, wonderful portraits done by Mick O'Dee, mm. um, one of Ireland's leading portrait painters. And there are three local people that a lot of your audience will have known uh, or will have known of. And they're um, Leland Bardwell, mm -hmm. uh, Sean, a writer of great, you know, great... And who there's, we actually have another interview on the show this week about the Festival of Single Rose. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so we're very lucky and, uh, you know, it's lovely synchronicity to be able to have a, a wonderful oil portrait of Leland here on view while a single rose takes place. Um, in that same room where that portrait is on view, there's also a portrait of the great writer Dermot Healy and mm -hmm. the wonderful painter Sean McSweeney, three great friends and really important members of the 
kind of Sligo's artistic community. So, you know, a pleasure to be able to show these brilliant portraits together. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I say, it does, there is a certain likeness or a certain magic when you, when you see these really powerful portraits of people who have, you know, who are no longer with us, but were so important. There's in a our very, community. actually, in that room that they're hung, there's a very interesting juxtaposition between them and the video portrait of Lydia Foy, Dr. Lydia Foy. That's right. And Dr. Lydia Foy, so... Um, Lydia uh, transitioned from being a man to being a woman in the early 90s. And after she did that, uh, she fought a long campaign against, uh, uh, you know, to to have her gender recognized officially by the Irish state. And I think it took her 25 years to finally have her gender recognized. And also, so she's in her 70s now, um, but she's also in the Guinness Book of Records for growing the largest foxglove ever. (laughs) Oh, that's why so, they're in the video, okay. That's why there's so many foxgloves in the video. And <laughs> okay. the video, it's a beautiful still video. It lasts about, I think, almost 20 minutes. It's um, really incredible. And it just this, the slight movements in it and the liveness of it by comparison yeah. to the, the more traditional portraits that sit across from it really work well. I think it does work well. And I think it brings, you know, because those portraits, they're just very powerful, even though the sitters are completely still. Hmm. Um, Lydia's lends them, uh, you know, a certain animation. There's exactly. a certain animation in that room. And I think it comes from Lydia's portrait because she giggles at one point. Um, and initially, I think it, people do feel it's, it's a still shot of yeah. her. But it, there's so much life, I think, in all four portraits in that room. And just actually, you're just making me think, and just a quick connection, just when you said that uh, she giggles at one point, it made me think of Claude Emo's We Are and Are Not where yeah. you're, it's the viewer, so you, if you're visiting the exhibition, are put into the, kind of into the position of sitter for a portrait, and you're being looked at That's b- right. by a group. And just something that I found in that is that as you stand and watch for, you know, say five minutes, or you start to see the micro gestures of this large group of people in a room looking back at you, and you start mm. to find little kind of dramas or comedies just in, just in their movements. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, and it is... That work is intended to be the last work that people see mm-hmm. uh, in the show. So it is supposed to be a, maybe an unsettling moment to finish the exhibition on. Mm. You, you walk into the room and you expect to see another portrait. But in fact, you're, you're faced by a group of almost life-size people, some of whom as well, has to be said, Sligo people will recognise. I was wondering, actually. <laughs> yeah, they're a group of, lo- of local people. Um, a kind of disparate group who came together particularly to help Cloda to make that film back in 2015 yeah. when we commissioned it. But it is unsettling because viewers will recognise some of them. But even if you didn't, you're not expecting to see a group of almost life-size people staring back. No, and it, does. it makes you very aware of yourself <laughs> in the room. It, may, it, it definitely does. You yeah. do feel looked at and you become aware of yourself as a presence. But just to move on, because as we said, Portrait Lab is an aspect of a much bigger project, which is The Sunset Belongs to You. So if you just wanted to speak about that now. Yeah, so The Sunset Belongs to You is a, is a portrait project and I suppose it was envisaged during lockdown um, as a way to kind of celebrate our community here in Sligo and celebrate our wonderful municipal art collection, the Nyland Collection. Mm-hmm. So what we decided to do was invite, put an open call out and invite children between the ages of 8 and 13 to apply, to send, you know, all they had to do was just send in a written piece, just telling us a little bit about themselves and their community. Um, And from that, we chose, it it turned out to be 18 children from all over County Sligo, children, you know, from all kinds of backgrounds. They all live in Sligo. Um, They come from lots of backgrounds. Some of the children came here um, as refugees, fleeing kind of wars in other countries, as children, you know, uh, other children, 
families go back here in Sligo for generation upon generation. We've children of all kinds of different needs and abilities. So they're a brilliant group and each child has just such a wonderful personality and a wonderful story and a wonderful family and comes from a brilliant community. And what we're seeking to do through these portraits is have these children represent their community. Yeah. And the works themselves will go into the Nyland collection. So you can imagine in 50 or 60 or even longer, 100 years or more, these brilliant portraits of these children will be here in our collection to represent the community. That what's, the, what's the timeline of the painting of the portraits? So this week, Mick O'Dea, um, and as I said earlier, Mick O'Dea is one of Ireland's leading portrait painters. He, he recently painted the portrait of Michael D. Higgins. Um, and this week he's doing live portrait sittings of the children. So currently, at the moment, in our theatre, there's, um, Mick is painting a, a wonderful young girl called Scarlett. Um, and there's an audience in there who are also asking questions and talking about portraiture and asking them about paint. And those sittings are open to anyone to drop into, even if you just want to drop in for five or ten minutes. Is he responding to questions while painting? He's responding to questions while painting, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. And he's uh, he's making his portrait uh, sitters, he's making them giggle the whole way through <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> So, and he has a lovely, he's known like for his lovely warm engagement with his sitters and okay. that's really kind of, you know, very palpable today. God, it's so very interesting insight into the relationship or potential relationship between painter and sitter as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and those, those sittings are going on 10 to 1 and then again from 2.30 to 5.30 every day this week, right up until Sunday. So if people want to just drop in, if they're just curious, they can drop in for three or four minutes or they can stay as long as they like. We had people there today for the full three hours, but Mick doesn't expect that. Okay. Um, he's happy if people drop in and get a sense of it. But it's, it's um, Mick and Geraldine O'Neill that are painting the portraits of the children, correct? That's right. And Mick's are live. Now, he, he will take time to finish them off afterwards. The paint has to dry, obviously, and then yeah. they have to be framed. So it'll be, take a while before they're exhibition ready. But Geraldine um, is also painting the portraits of six of the children. Mick is painting the portraits of 12 of them. And she has a very different style. Yeah. You know, her, her, set, her um, canvases can tend to be bigger and tend to include a lot of different kind of biographical details. Yeah. Uh, so we have a few of her... Uh, two good examples of her work on view as part of Portrait Lab. But her works, she has met the children, um, I think, on three occasions at this stage. Um, she's kind of been out to their houses. she met them here in the model, and she's done a couple of workshops with them. So she's in the process of getting to know them. Okay, um, because her, her paintings, are, they're kind of like, there's a collage-like element to them. Uh, in the, yeah, sometimes she uses, sometimes she'll repaint like a, an artwork that was done by an uh, a kind of old, you know, one of the masters, the great Dutch masters or a kind of Renaissance painting by an Italian painter. And sometimes then she, she'll kind of pro portray a child kind of like just as if they've been dropped into that scene. Yeah. So she does paint in a very different way to make. Um, and as I say, it's a longer kind of engagement and, you know, they'll, those paintings won't be ready for another year. So eventually the sunset belongs to you. Um, in December of 2023, it will open as an exhibition in its oh, own okay. right and people can come in and they can see all 18 paintings exhibited together. Brilliant. So then just to remind people, the exhibition is ongoing right now, but also the live sittings are running from 10 to 12.30 and 2 to 4.30 every day this week. Um, yep. And I just want to mention as well, I think this is a simultaneous event, the End of Portraiture Lecture Series. That's right. So Andy Parsons... Um, an artist who we've worked with in the past is doing a lecture series on portraiture 
um, every Thursday evening from six o'clock to seven. And people, again, that doesn't need to be booked. It's just five euros. Yeah. And people can kind of drop into that if they want to know a little bit more about portraiture. Um, it also, I should say that at the heart of the Portrait Lab exhibition, we have created a timeline that oh, kind yeah. of gives a history of portraiture right from kind of pre, you know, pre-Greek and Roman times right up until the end of the 20th century. And it just talks people through in a really bite-sized, easy to understand kind of sentence and image. Um, just, you know, what were the different developments of portraiture between kind of, say, Renaissance and Baroque and modernism and Impressionism and right up to kind of Cubism. Yeah. Um, and, you know, then the exhibition kind of takes it from there into the 21st century. So um, that's brilliant, Emer. Thanks very much for uh, informing us about all that. Just to remind people, it's all on in the model at the moment. And so you can find out more information about all of this on the model's website, themodel.ie. And now we'll go through our weekly What's On section as usual. Uh, we'll start off with gigs. First off, in the Ballard Arts Centre and Bally Buffet on this Saturday, on 5th of November at 8pm, local singer-songwriter Mick Duffy will launch his new album, Making Changes, uh, backed by a band of seasoned musicians. He'll be supported by Donegal singer-songwriter Jonathan Smeaton. Tickets for that are €15 Euro from BallardArtsCentre.com. Then here in the Glens, next week on Friday the 11th of November at 8pm, we have the Solus Quartet. We spoke about them last week on the show. Uh, led by the Irish Chamber Orchestra leader, Katrin Hunke, they will play a varied programme of music spanning six centuries. Tickets for that are €15 Euro or 13 concession, and you can go to theglenscentre.com to get those. Then in the dock on the same night, Friday the 11th of November at 8pm, Ardlo Hanlon is performing his show, The Showing Off Must Go On. Uh, the comedian, actor and writer is continuing the tour of this acclaimed show in which he asks why to basically everything. Tickets for this are €25 Euro and they can be gotten from the dock.ie. And then in the Hawkswell on Saturday the 12th at 8pm, the band Fluke are, pl- are performing. These are a virtuoso English-Irish folk group and they play songs from their acclaimed album Ancora, which was nominated for the 2019 BBC Folk Album of the Year Award. Tickets for that are €20, Euro, 18 concession or 10 for under 18s from hawkswell.com. And also the next day on Sunday the 13th, Fluke will play as part of the Trad Babies series of concerts, and that's for infants uh, and babies. There's two separate... Um, performances so at 11 a.m it's for ages zero to one and then from 12 30 it's say one to four and then tickets for that are 10 euro for one adult and one child and just a reminder as always for a comprehensive list of gigs sessions and open mics in sligo go to sligomusicians.com then we'll move on to theater and screenings so again in the hawkswell opening up this saturday uh, november the 5th and going on to friday the 11th is sister act this is a stage musical version of the Whoopi goldberg film tickets for that are 22 euro here in the Glens on Thursday the 10th of November at 8pm we will be showing Petite Maman. This is the latest in Rabbit Riot Theatre Company's 12% Cinema Club series that highlights films directed by women. It's directed by Celine Sciamma and this is a magical realist fable about childhood loss, love and acceptance told entirely from a child's perspective. Tickets for that are €7 Euro or 5 concession. At the Abbey Arts Centre in Ballyshannon on Saturday the 12th at 8pm, Pat and Faye Short are continuing their regional tour of the show Well, about an Irish music show trying to ascend the heights of the local scene. This is a manic comedy and tickets for that are €30. Euro. And then in the Ballar Arts Centre in Ballybuffet again on Thursday the 10th and Friday the 11th at 8pm, the show Margaret is continuing its regional tour. Again, this is by Donegal playwright Sean Byrne and it's an imagining of the final days of Margaret Thatcher. Tickets for this are €10 Euro from BallardArtsCentre.com. Then just a quick reminder that in Ballyshannon, the Allingham Festival 
is ongoing right now. It's going started on Wednesday. It's going until Sunday the sixth. It's got a huge program. It's primarily a literature festival, and all the info can be found at allinghamfestival.com. And then a second festival that's happening this week is A Single Rose. This is the Leland Bardwell Centenary Festival happening Friday to Sunday this week. But we're actually going to have an interview about that coming up next. So we'll speak all about that then. Uh, Art exhibitions in the Leitrim Sculpture Centre on November 11th. There is an opening. It's the residency exhibition of Masa Paunovic. She is a sculptor who works primarily in site-specific and social-specific sculpture using multiple mediums to build large-scale abstracted forms. This runs until December the 10th. The model, again, we just spoke about it, but there's The Sunset Belongs to You is going on right now and the End of Portraiture Lecture Series and Portrait Lab. Then, just uh, to let you know, there is a workshop coming up in the dock. It's called the Saturday Studio. It's about light, play and shadow. It's an installment in the dock's program of workshops for children in which they get to work closely with an artist. It's two weeks in a row. All children are expected to attend both weekends, two Saturdays. It's led by mixed media artist Lisa Cannon and she will use the current exhibition there, Carnegie and Now by Selena Muldoon, as a springboard to craft artworks with the children that explore layering, light and shadow. Tickets are €10 for both weeks and all attendees will be expected to come to both weeks as I mentioned. They run from 11am to 12 noon and are for children aged 7 to 9. And quickly just to remind you that the doc is also looking for a new director. Um, The person will lead the next phase of the centre's artistic development and for more information you can go to thedoc.ie. The application deadline is November 18th. That is it for this week. The black rose withers in the snow and all the daft and aged are cheating death. I, among you, salute you and I envy you your facility. I'll bequeath you my Dalberg and my Borges if you grant me back a moiety of what I flogged long ago. Running from November 11th to the 13th in the model in Sligo is the festival A Single Rose. This festival is a celebration of the centenary of the birth of poet and author, or poet and writer Leland Bardwell. The piece of music that you just heard playing uh, was a, a kind of a collage of, of contributions by Paul Rowe clarinetist, readings of Leland Bardwell's poetry and soundscapes by composer John McLaughlin. John McLaughlin is also the organiser of A Single Rose and we have him here now to speak about the festival itself. How's it going, John? Hi, Greg. Uh, so thanks very much for coming on to the show. So I suppose first, 
if you wouldn't mind just speaking a little bit about Leland Bardwell herself and then we'll move on to the festival details. Sure. Well, she lived 94 years. The last 24 years were in Sligo, in Ballinfull Peninsula. And so therefore, in fact, it's hard to speak briefly about her. Yeah. Uh, as far as literature is concerned, she published 12 books and had nine plays produced on stage or radio in her lifetime. So that would have been five poetry collections, five novels, a memoir, which went very well, and a collection of short stories. Um, so she was translated into a number of languages and particularly did well in Germany with, okay. with her last novel. Okay, and um, is it, would it be fair to say that the festival focuses more on her poetry output or is it her whole body of work? Well, uh, I've tried to make sure it's pretty equally split okay. between prose and poetry, but drama isn't represented uh, in an enormous amount. We managed to come up with a film of uh, herself and Dermot Healy yeah. reading a piece of hers called Women in the Life and Work of Patrick Kavanagh. So that film was made by Shea Mary Doyle and filmed in the Hawkswell some years ago. So it's rather nice to see that we'll have 20 minutes of her, uh, so to speak, in vision, which is great because film of Leland is incredibly rare. Okay. And did she also write for radio as well, just quickly? Yes. Uh, as I say, um, something like five plays were actually produced on radio. She would have written it a few others perhaps that never made it. You know, you write something, you send it, and sometimes... Mm. The, the producer has moved on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that doesn't always happen for you as, a, as an artist. But yeah, absolutely. We'll move on to just discussing the actual festival itself. And it seems like, just by kind of scanning through the very full weekend of events, it seems very much like it's about both celebrating Leland Bardwell's work specifically with a lot of readings about that and also there's also I should say there's on the opening night there's a performance of the work a fine example of how not to live which we heard an excerpt from but it's also kind of about placing Bardwell within the lineage of contemporary Irish poetry and writing if that's fair to say is that an intention with the festival? Yes absolutely I mean we're drawing on people who had a relationship with Leland in many cases so, they, and as Leland would be 100, some of these people aren't in their first flush of youth. <laughs> but we've made an effort also to reach out to younger people. And, in fact, uh, my brother Nicholas McLaughlin, who is a poet, happened to know Anne-Marie Nichuren, who mm. is, in fact, just from up the road from you in, in, uh, in Donegal. And Anne-Marie uh, has stated her, you know, the, the influence that Leland had on her. And Anne-Marie is, is, is definitely a younger generation. Yeah. Uh, I think she's in her 30s. And she, so we asked her to curate a section of the festival where younger writers such as herself and two others, Kimberly Campanello and Victoria Kennevick, would take, take something of Leland's, write something in kind of response to it, and that will be what they'll be presenting at the festival. Which is actually, strangely, is the final event in the festival, but it's, it's a nice way to cap it off, just having reflections of contemporary writers looking back on it. There's a litany of readings and discussions, and there seems to be like a if you don't mind me saying, there's like a theme running through the different discussion, kind of loose topics of matters that might be of concern to writers. So like one is called a writer's ear. There's another one which is love and dysfunction. Well, that's a reading. And then on the Sunday, there's settings, times and place. So it's like, could you maybe speak a little bit about your, your reasoning for, for uh, curating them in that way? Absolutely. Well, um, a writer's ear, for example, would be about uh, crafting prose, how, how uh, words, you know, 
the the very sort of atomic level of, the, of putting down words on a page is is a sort of a battle against cliche and a battle against the reader falling asleep, mm. so to speak. So therefore, and yet at the same time, you don't want to go all purple and have the reader saying, well, this person just fancies themselves to death. So there's a happy yeah. medium there. You know, John Banville or something would talk in huge length about, you know, the sentence, you know. Not that John is in the festival, I hasten to add, I just took that out of my mind (laughs) at random. And of course, when you're writing poetry, that's incredibly important. And also as a playwright, you know, she was very into having dialogue that sounds like real people, the way real people talk. Mm. And that also very much fed into her novels and all her prose, that is to say, including her stories. There's a ton of dialogue and it's one of her huge strengths as a writer. And she herself always said uh, that she was good at writing dialogue. And sometimes she would say about other writers, oh, you know, their problem is they can't write dialogue, but we won't uh, get into that. <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be good to start naming names. The, um, yeah, as regards other titles, Write What You Know is another title of a, of a meeting that we have. And I have some of these are just readings, but they're just a kicking off point for mm. people to read their own work. Going on to Write What You Know, I mean, you know, again, well, uh, we've mentioned that already, haven't we? That is... Uh, that a writer has to base their fiction or indeed their poetry on something that has happened to them or something that moves them. They they might, of course, read something in the paper and say, what a fantastic story, and then they have to really own it, you know. Mm. So they have to know it in some sense, whether that's having been through it or just know it emotionally as truth, you know, and then turn it into something that also rings true as a poem uh, or a play or a story. Which feeds yeah. into the, the the final the discussion that I mentioned titled Settings, Times and Place, which seems apt for because the brief of the reading that I've done of the biography of Leland Bardwell is that she she lives in a variety of places, so she would have been responding to quite a variety of locations in her writing over the course of her life, if that's fair to say. Yeah. That circles us right back to her life, actually, because she did live, you know, in a number of places, in London in the 50s particularly, in terms of a sort of a bohemian milieu. And indeed, her second novel, That London Winter, is completely about that yeah. period where she was meeting a very a very sort of low-life set of, of a mixture of drug addicts and communists and poets and, and drinkers and God alone knows what else. And, um, you know, so that's a setting. But then her first novel, you know, which David Clare is on that panel, David Clare uh, did a great discussion of her first novel, Girl on a Bicycle, which is all about growing up as a Protestant girl uh, and sort of l- losing her virginity and all this kind of thing during yeah. the war years. Uh, but in particular, that uh, that book, you know, sort of, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, it puts the microscope on class division, on just subtle levels of class in the horsey sets or the non-horsey sets, and so on and so on. Mostly in a sort of Protestant context, so very different to the second novel, yeah. uh, if you see what I mean. And all her novels kind of, you know, are capable of changing and uh, chopping the setting, time, and place, but only because she her well. I would say, because her life had so many settings, times, and places, that there were episodes of her life, you know, in Paris, in Switzerland, and so forth. That sounds like, you know, I'm making her sound like she was very grand and well-to-do. Quite the opposite. She, um, you know, she went and sold newspapers on the street in Paris for six months. It okay. wasn't a huge chunk of her life at all. Uh, Dublin was much larger chunk. But then there were other chunks in, in, in numerous places in Scotland and in, in Ireland, rural and urban. So and she basically, moved a, a life a whole weekend can't really encapsulate, to be fair. Yeah. We're going to have to wrap up now, John, but I just want to remind people that the festival runs from the 11th to the 13th, so that's this next Friday to Sunday, it's Friday week. Um, It's actually quite reasonably priced. I think it is right you can get a a weekend pass for €35. 
that's right. And then yeah. individual events are usually priced around five euros, so it's, it's really quite affordable. And then there's also the visual arts exhibition running from the 1st of November to the 29th. Uh, thanks yeah, very much for coming on. Oh, sorry, if you want to say one more thing there, John. One more thing, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's 10 euro for individual events except for one that's five oh, okay. euros. So there's really better represented as 10. Yes, but uh, still fairly reasonable, all right. Uh, Definitely, yeah, and all that information can be found on the model's website, themodel.ie. So thanks again, John, for coming on to the show. Thanks a million, Craig. That's fantastic. So that's it for this week, folks. Thanks very much for listening, and a big thanks to all of our interviewees and contributors. Uh, just to say again, the piece of music that you heard during this is titled A Fine Example of How Not to Live. It's by John McLaughlin um, and features readings of poetry by Leland Bardwell. So we just want to thank Pubble, Leitrim County Council and the Arts Council for their continuing support. And to say again, if you have anything that you would like to contact the show about, you can reach us on artsnorthwest at theglenscenter.com. That's it for now. Talk to you next week.